So we're going to talk today in this brand new series from the book of Daniel about disruptions. A disruption is a disturbance or a problem that interrupts and interferes with an event, an activity, or process. Now, now different than just a delay. Some people go through a delay that's not a disruption. Some people go through a slight interruption. That is not a disruption. A disruption can bring times of disorder, confusion, disorganization. It can bring turmoil that significantly hampers or obstructs with continuing on either with life or the process that we're in in the same manner as it was before. That's what a disruption is. Something that really gets in the way of our regular plans and causes confusion, turmoil, challenge, disorder, and disorganization. Now, let's just face it. We are all in disruption mode right now. Our lives are not the same as they used to be. So I want you, let's just face it, let's be honest, let's chat or comment. I, we just need to say it right out loud. I am disrupted. If you would chat that in there, I am disrupted or my life is disrupted. All of us are going through changes. All of us have had confusion. All of us have experienced a level of disorder. Some of us are even going through turmoil. I am going through disruption. Let's just face it. Come on, comment about it, chat about it. Maybe you have a panic emoji or something like that. I am disrupted. My life is disrupted. My family schedule is disrupted. My church life is disrupted. My job is disrupted. Whatever it may be, for some of you, maybe even your health is disrupted. But right now, we all are. And we've had disruptions many different times, like in our country, since this Memorial Day weekend. We've had disruptions with, with wars that we've had to go through. I remember talking with my uncle, uh, my uncle Joe, who served in the Korean War. And what a huge disruption, personally. It changed him. It changed how he viewed life. It changed how he viewed people. It changed our world. Some of you may have even served in a, in a war or have family members, and you realize, even being in the military, that's not just an interruption. That is a disruption to life, to serve and to serve valiantly, even in battle. We had a disruption on September 11, 2001, in our country, when Islamic terrorists attacked our nation and hit the World Trade Centers and the Pentagon. That changed life. That was a disruption. It's not the same going to the airport anymore. We look at people differently. There's a different concern in how we view our world. That was a disruption. I'll tell you, um, our lives go through disruptions. My family went through a crazy disruption on October 30th, 1997, when my wife's dad passed away unexpectedly. And, you know, that was not an interruption. That was something that brought turmoil and pain and disorder and confusion, um, disorganization. That was something that changed our lives forever. And maybe you're even going through a disruption. We even have friends of our ministry right here that are down in the flood in Midland right now that have lost everything. And they're going through disruption. 
Well, that's what the book of Daniel is all about. Daniel is a book about one of the biggest disruptions that Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, ever experienced. And it, it not only impacted them as a nation, it impacted people individually, and it's recorded for us for millennia to come about this disruption and even about how God wants us to work through it. And so when times of disruption comes, right now we're going through it with COVID-19, if there's personal disruptions, if there's national disruptions, whatever the disruption, know that God has a plan. And this is one big theme of Daniel I just want to give to you right now, and then we're going to jump into some background. When we look at disruptions and the book of Daniel, we realize that disruptions are not chance. They are not accidental. I want you to know the divine is behind every disruption. And I want to prove this to you. In the book of Daniel, right off the bat, let me read these verses. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That was their disruption. And then the wording goes like this, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he, Nebuchadnezzar, carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. Now, did you catch that? Because we're talking about the divine is behind every disruption. God was involved in the downfall of the southern kingdom of Israel, being Judah. God was involved. And the verse said it right there, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, or Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And in a moment of this divine disruption, in a moment, Daniel's life and the nation of Judah was altered forever. So disruptions have divine purposes. With God, there's a purpose behind everything. You know, our challenges have reasons. There's purpose for our pain. There's a product that God is doing, whether in our lives or in our nation or in world events, through every circumstance. And what we see on the surface, the disruption, we need to realize that he is involved in direction as the divine one behind all of it. So what I want to do today is I want to pull back the curtain on the disruption in Judah. And I want to see what went on behind the scenes by God in this whole disruption. So we're going to pull away from Daniel and I want to look at the book of Jeremiah. This is the background of Daniel. This is going to set up the rest of our study for the next five weeks. So in, in Jeremiah chapter 25, we read specifically about the prophet Jeremiah's perspective on the problems of Jerusalem and why God is going to bring this disruption. So let me go ahead and read for you just a few verses from Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 4 through 7. Listen to this. This is God's preparing the disruption for Judah. It says, And though the Lord 
has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid attention. And they said to you, turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever and ever. Do not follow other gods or serve and worship them. Do not arouse my anger with what your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. Verse 7, but you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. And you've aroused my anger with what your hands have made. And you have brought harm to yourselves. Now for 23 years, Jeremiah pled with Judah to turn around, to change their direction, to go back to God, to listen to him. And there's a repeated phrase in the first seven verses of Jeremiah chapter 25. And the phrase is, you did not listen. You didn't listen. And so for a quarter century, Jeremiah and other prophets connected with Judah and the Bible says to them four different times, but you did not listen. You did not pay attention. You did not heed what I was telling you to do. And over those 23 years, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet as he pled with them and begged with Judah to turn. And so in Jeremiah 25, 9, God says, so I'm going to summon, and listen to this, I'm going to summon my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to come with judgment on Judah. And so let's just talk about it for a moment. I want to tell you the three things that Judah was warned about and why God was going to bring judgment. And then we're going to wrap it up with some important takeaways for us and action items. So think about these. What had the people of Judah been warned about? So here's number one. They had been warned about their materialism or about living for more. That their whole life ambition was about getting more and more and more for themselves. And so there's a very unique understanding going through this passage in Jeremiah 25. It mentions the duration of this punishment from Babylon would be 70 years. And so you ask, why 70 years? Well, the text here and also in 2 Chronicles 36 mentions why the 70 years. Essentially, in Leviticus chapter 26, God had commanded a Sabbath rest for the land. Just like in the Ten Commandments, he commanded the people of Israel to remember the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, and, and rest and keep it holy. So not only was there a commandment for remembering the seventh day of the week, there was also a commandment for remembering the seventh year. And so every seventh year, the people of Israel were supposed to give their land a rest. No planting, no harvesting. Let your land rest every seven years. Well, it's interesting, <clears throat> although God commanded that, that was something that the people of Judah did not follow through on. Now, I know it costs. If you don't plant on the seventh year, it's going to cost. And I'm just going to confess with you for a moment and get ready to chat again. My family loves Chick-fil-A, okay? We are Chick-fil-A fanatics, and Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. 
And the terrible thing is oftentimes we are traveling and we want to go to Chick-fil-A and it's on a Sunday. So they lose our business that day. But it's, think about it. You lose one day every six days. After six days, you lose a day of business and it's on a weekend when probably people would be going there. So it's going to cost you to not work on that Sabbath. It's going to cost you to take that gear off every seventh year as God commanded Israel. So here's, here's the deal. Is it really costing? Well, the interesting thing is this past Sunday and Monday, I took two of my girls out to New York to pick up their things from college. And on our way back in Erie, Pennsylvania, on Monday, we stopped at Chick-fil-A. And you just wonder, so is it costing them? Is it hurting their business? So we ended up finding their drive through line because they can't serve inside either right now in Pennsylvania. And it was a three-lane drive through line that wrapped around the entire store and then looped around and went behind the hotel next to them. We sat in a drive through line for over 40 minutes and they were meticulous to get people through as quickly as they could. But we love Chick-fil-A, so we did it. So do you love Chick-fil-A? If you do, why don't you give me a chicken emoji or say I love Chick-fil-A or um, you know, whatever it may be. We just love it. We love Chick-fil-A and we stuck it out for those 40 minutes of, um, of that drive through in Erie, Pennsylvania. Well, you know, Judah thought it's not going to pay to rest. If I don't take time off, I can get more, they said. If I don't give my land a rest, I can get more. I need to work more if I'm going to keep everything that I have. And rather than to trust God to fulfill their needs and obey him no matter what, they chose to keep working the land and not give it a rest. And God counted every year that they missed giving their land a rest. So after seven years, after six years, they were supposed to take a year of rest. After 14, that would have been two. After 21, that would have been three. Well, they did this, folks, for 490 years. And so if you do the math, there was 70 years of rest that they were supposed to take. And God brought this judgment specifically to denounce their materialism and to say, my land is going to get the rest that I said it would. I'm, I'm going to level with you for a moment. This land rest law was specifically for Israel and not for the United States of America. You know, we're reading someone else's command here. This is someone else's mail. But the same principle goes for pursuing it to the limit, for no rest, for pushing it to the max, for wearing out our God-given resources to get more. You know, that still stands for us. And I'm going to tell you a few verses because Jesus says, you know, there's more important things than money and getting everything for ourselves. And he says, you know what? You can't be a servant to money and to God at the same time. There's another verse in the Bible that says, you know what? The love of money, not, not having it, but the love of it, is the root of all kinds of evil. 
You know, loving money is called materialism. Loving possessions is called materialism. And it's not having them. It's okay to have things. But for that to be your personal passion and pursuit and desire where you push it to the limit, where you don't take a rest, where you have to continue to work hard and harder to get more and more and more. That's what God's talking about here. And working ourselves to the bone to get more, it's not worth it. Neglecting family or God to get more is not worth it. Neglecting our health to get more is not worth it. Neglecting the stewardship of what God has given to us to pursue and get more is not worth it. And I, I just want to tell you this. Sometimes the best way to get ahead is to slow down, to prioritize, to rest. And I think some of us are learning that even right now in this time of COVID-19, we needed to slow down. We needed to rest. We needed to prioritize what's going on in our lives and not just keep doing and being busy and trying to get more. We stand to lose it all if we don't listen to God's command. And the very first one that was behind this whole disruption of Judah was materialism. They wanted to get more. They disobeyed God's commands to get more. And God said, I'm going to put an end to it. Here's the second thing, and I'm going to work through these last two quickly for you. Idolatry. Living for other gods. Materialism is living to get more. Idolatry, living for other gods. And God came right out and was plain with them. You need to avoid the false gods of all the nations around you. You need to worship me and me only, he said. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before him. The Lord our God is one, and there should be no one else that takes his place. Well, in Jeremiah 32, verses 34 to 35, the, the prophet again mentions, they set up their vile images in the house that bears my name, and they defiled it. They built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and they sacrificed their children, their sons and daughters, to Molech. And though I never commanded, nor did it even enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing and so make Judah sin. So not only was there materialism where they lived for more, there was idolatry where they lived for other gods. They put other things in front of God himself. And for, for God to be God to us, for him to be the supreme being that is over everything, there can't be anything else in front of them. If it is, that object is God. God is no longer in our hearts the supreme being or the prime object of our worship. When we adore other things or are loyal to other things or desire other things more than him. For God it's an affront, it's a slap in the face and it shows to him that our confidence and hope and love is towards something else. And that's exactly what Judah was doing. They had put other gods in front of their worship of Yahweh. And God warned him, it's, it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you big. So there was materialism. They lived for, for more. There also was idolatry where they lived for other gods. 
And then the third thing is there was pride, where they took credit for God's goodness. And there's a whole account back in 2 Kings in chapter 20, verses 12 through 19, and you can go ahead and read through that. But essentially what happened is Hezekiah was king in Judah, and he was extremely gravely ill, and he begged and pleaded to God to extend his years. And so God granted that, that request and gave him 15 more years of life. And during that 15 years, instead of giving God credit for what he had done, Hezekiah brought in the kings of Babylon and some of their dignitaries, and he showed off all of his wealth in the temple. And he bragged that these things were a part of what he had done. And so as he paraded around the temple with the Babylonian leaders, and as he showed them all of his treasures, and as he took credit for everything that God had done, God prophesied the doom of Judah right on the heels of that for Hezekiah's pride. It was a grave mistake. Pride was Hezekiah's sin. It's the sin of Satan. It's an abomination to God, and there is no possible way for us to be proud and to love God. They just don't coexist. They're oil and water. And so Hezekiah's account was about 100 years before Babylon came and overthrew Judah, but certainly the whole thing was set up because of Hezekiah's pride a century before all of this. So Judah, they were materialistic, they lived for more, they had idolatry, they lived for other gods, and then they had pride where they took credit for God's goodness. And I'm just going to tell you what we're going to study, the disruption in Daniel, all of that was God saying, I've, I've just had enough. You haven't listened. And here comes a disruption. I'm going to change life for all of you in Judah. And I'm going to wipe this thing clean. And that's exactly what God did. You can read about it in Jeremiah 25. And the big words that are there, he rose up Babylon to overthrow Judah for 70 years. And Nebuchadnezzar was God's servant to do it. There's a song I learned as a kid. I don't know if you know it or not, but the whole it goes like this. He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm not going to sing it for you right now, but he's got the whole world in his hands. And then there's, there's another verse that says he's got the tiny little baby in his hands. And then there's another verse, and it goes on and on and on, all the things that God has in his hands. I want to tell you there's nothing in this world that is not in the hand of God. And even Jeremiah 25, Daniel 1 says, even Nebuchadnezzar was in the hand of God. Babylon was in the hand of God. And God used Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king. And God used Babylon, a really horrible nation, to go against Judah, to disrupt everything that they had, and to bring them to a point where they would turn their lives back to God. That's what it was all about. And there is a tip for us right away in the book of Daniel that God is a God that handles our sin to bring us back to him. And it's in actually the name of Daniel himself. See, the name Daniel means 
God will judge. Whenever you see the L, the E-L at the end of a word or the beginning of a word in Hebrew, it's the partial word for Elohim or God. And so right away you know from Daniel, the L stands for God. The Dan means judge. God will judge. And so at the very beginning, even before we read any of the contents of the book, we just know by the name of the writer, Daniel, that God was going to bring judgment for these three things that Judah had done against him. So let's just draw the net on this. And I'm going to finish with three items. And if I could just talk to you and talk to your heart, these things are really critical for us. When we're going through a time of disruption, how do we handle it? How do we deal with it? So I want to give you these three things. Would you take them to heart? Would you write them down? Would you remember them? Would you talk to your small group about them? Would you make some commitments to God about these three things? Here's number one. What to do in disruption? Don't worry. God is in control. Don't worry. God is in control. And the reality that God is in control should filter every experience that we have. Every issue and problem we go through, don't think for a moment that God is not in control, that this is without purpose. But God is in control. And I just want to tell you, in the book of Daniel, we're going to see he was in control of Nebuchadnezzar. He was in control of Belshazzar, another king of Babylon. He was in control of Darius, a king of Persia. He was in control of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was even in control of a fiery furnace. He was in control of the mouth of lions. It just goes on and on and on. And here's, here's the reality. God is in total control. And, and right now we're going through this whole coronavirus and you say, so what's going on with this? Well, I, I really don't know. What's the purpose behind it all? I don't know, but I do know God is completely in control. He's got this thing, folks. And I know I'm not in control. Our government is not in control of it. Our globe is not in control of it. But God has a purpose. And in all of it, can I just encourage us, let's not panic. Let's have some assurance. This thing has divine design and purpose written all over it. And instead of worrying and panicking, our need is to be purpose-minded and align ourselves saying, I wonder what God wants to do, and line up with that. But remember, God is in control. Let's not worry. Here's number two. I think it's important to understand and remember the whole reason for the judgment on Judah. And number two is, don't wonder. Don't wander. Because God keeps his word. Don't wander away. God keeps his word. And, and this goes along with the whole repeating of words there in Jeremiah 25. But did you not listen? Don't be deceived. Didn't you listen to God when he asked you to do these things? And so let's just understand and realize whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And although God was patient, for all of those years, when he said he was going to do something about it, he did something about it. 
because God keeps his word. And you might think, if your life is wandering away, you know, nothing has happened to me yet. You know, I, I, I'm doing my own thing and, and it's no big deal. Seems like things are going fine. I, I want to really implore you the same way Jeremiah did and said, let's not wander, folks. Let's not wander off. Let's not drift away from God's commands, but let's stay true to him and obey him. And Daniel's a reminder to listen to God because God keeps his words. It's time to surrender our lives to him and not wander away. So there's number one, don't worry. God's in control. Number two, don't wander away because God keeps his word. And then number three, don't wait. Don't wait because God has provided a way out of judgment. And this is the beautiful thing about the book of Daniel. Because although God could have just wiped Judah completely away, he didn't. And there was a remnant. And there were even four youngsters that we're going to be looking at that went away to Babylon. And God saved a remnant of Judah. And he didn't completely do away with her. And what we call that, when God could have done something serious and completely taken him out, and he didn't, and he left an opportunity of return. We call that grace, folks. That's God's grace to us. And grace is in the story of Daniel. And it's in the story of your life and my life because grace comes to us even though we've blown it. Even though God deserves to, to wipe us out, grace came to us in the person of Jesus Christ when he took our judgment for us, for our wrong, he took the hit and he took the blame and he took the punishment. And that's grace, folks, for all who believe that Jesus died for them. They turn away from their own way and they embrace the grace of God. I believe you died for me. I believe by Jesus' death, you took the punishment that I deserve for my wrong. That's grace. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. God reached out to Judah for 23 years. He reaches out to you and to me to receive the grace of Jesus because he took our punishment for us. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So number one, friend, don't worry. God's in control. He's got this. Let's not hit the panic button. But let's show God we really believe with our faith with our confidence in him. Number two, don't wander because God keeps his word. Let's use this disruption in our world, in our lives, in our region as a way to say it's time to get back and get serious with God and to be the people God wants us to be. And then number three, don't wait because if you're sitting there saying, you know, I think doing it my own way is gonna work because nothing's happened. This opportunity is God's grace to you. And if you've never believed that Jesus died on the cross, if you've never put your faith in what he did on the cross to, to satisfy God's judgment for your wrong, for my wrong, don't wait. Today is the day. Embrace the grace of Jesus. And if you're someone who has 
let's celebrate the grace of Jesus Christ for us. That although we were yet sinners, although we had blown it, he reached out in love. He took our punishment. He was our sacrifice. And let's live lives of gratitude to him. Remember those things, would you? Talk to your small group about it. Talk to others about it. Let's use this disruption for God's purposes and his design. So I'm the one that's going to finish up here today. There's not a host that's going to come behind me. And I just want to say, for our East Bay Calvary family, from your pastors and our staff, you are missed. We love you. We, it, we're so excited and praying that the day is coming very soon that we'll all be able to gather together again. And in the meantime, in the disruption, don't worry, don't wander, don't wait. Let's stay close to God through all of this and use this disruption for his purpose. So God bless you. God bless your Memorial Day weekend. And we'll see you next time here at Church at Home.